0: See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this, when he is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. Everyone who commits sin is guilty of lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he was revealed to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Everyone who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. Were you the favorite child? My wife Dorothy was. She's an only child and had no competition. You remember the Smothers brothers? you get mad. You have to say that. Well, my mom liked my brother best. Of course she liked me best. (laughs) (laughs) I never never knew this, Sheila. She did. Now I I remember mom always picked on me and I'd say, hi, mom, I'm Tommy Smothers, remember? Remember me, the kid you don't like so much. You want to know why she liked me best? Why? I happen to be an only child. parents always tell their offspring, we don't have favorite child, we love all our children equally. But according to a 2016 study in the Journal of Marriage and Family, that claim may very well be fiction. In other words, the suspicion you had as a child that your parents had a favorite was probably right. Psychologist Ellen Weber Libby, author of The Favorite Child, agrees that in families, favoritism is widespread as the fact that it is something we don't talk about. She says, parents need to know the favoritism is normal and it exists in almost every family. Parents may prefer a child is more, that is more like them, but the favorite can change from, over time. Parents may prefer a child in a particular stage. For example, preferring a child that is an infant as compared to when they're a teenager. While parents having a favorite child may be normal, it can be unhealthy, such as when preferential treatment is consistently focused on just one child, or it is used to boost a parent's self-esteem. I've seen fathers who wish they had played football push their sons and if their son does well, somewhat of a favorite. It can leave the non-favored child or children open to depression. Or the favored child can be left feeling responsible for the parent's parent's happiness. Perhaps the most important finding in the study is that when families are close, perceptions of favoritism don't have any impact. This idea of the favorite child comes to mind when reading the first line of John, 1 John 3. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. We might wonder with all of us being unique, does God prefer some of us over others? This is of course an unanswerable question. God doesn't share that information with us. We do notice In some of the biblical stories, God's seeming preference for some who are not firstborn, like Isaac over Ishmael, Jacob over Esau, David over his older brothers. But those choices may have been based on certain abilities the chosen one possessed. And God wanted to use those abilities rather than God liking one more than the other. The people of Israel understood themselves to be God's chosen people. As Moses stated in Deuteronomy 4-7, For what other great nation has a God so near to us as the Lord our God is whenever we call to him? Or in Malachi 1, verses 2 and 3, God says, I have loved you, but you say, how have you loved us? Is not Esau Jacob's brother, says the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob, but I have hated Esau. I have made his hill country a desolation and his heritage a desert of jackals now Jacob and Esau in this text do not refer to the people who bore those names but to the nation of Israel and Edom that descended from those distant ancestors in response to accusations from the people of Israel that God was not did not love them the Lord points to the then-current devastation of Edom. It seems that God is OK with the Israelites, understanding themselves as favorite children. Against all of that, we have biblical assertions that God wants everyone to be in the divine family. Isaiah 45:22. Turn to me and be saved, all ends of the earth. Matthew 22, 9. Go therefore into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Or John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Or Galatians 3, 28. There is no longer Jew or Greek, no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. Timothy, 1 Timothy 1, 3 and 4. God our Savior who desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And finally, Acts 2.21. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But regardless whether God does or does not have a favorite child. Some of us may feel that we are or are not favored. If things have gone pretty well for us, we may think of of ourselves as being among God's favorites. If we have suffered loss a lot of times, and have had to struggle with life, then we may feel that we aren't among God's favorites. But there's a problem with this kind of thinking. Remember that the Israelites were God's chosen people, then how do we explain all the persecution and massacres the Jews have endured over the centuries? The good and bad we experience don't seem to measure up to God's love for us. Don't seem to be measures of God's love for us. You probably have heard preachers who have said something like, you be a good Christian and God will bless you. Now some of those preachers who say things like that have indeed become rich by preaching such a gospel. However, That gospel is a distortion of the biblical message. However, we know people who lived much of their lives far from God and who later repented and became grateful disciples and have said things like this. Why God would want me back is a mystery to me. I have wasted a lot of my life but whatever I have left is devoted to God. They are perhaps saying that they don't see themselves as among God's favorites, but they are glad to be on God's family roster at all, even in a humble position. There's biblical evidence that the apostle Paul felt that way. At one point, he talks about the resurrected Christ appearing to many believers and at last of all to him. Here's how the message translates uh, Paul's words on the subject in 1 Corinthians fifteen, eight, and 9. Christ finally presented himself to me. It was fitting that I bring up the rear. I don't deserve to be included in that inner circle, as you well know, having spent all these early years trying to, my best to stamp God's church out of existence. That may also have been how the prodigal son felt when he finally headed for home he asked only to be made a servant in the household. Ironically, the welcome he received from his father led his older brother to conclude that the prodigal was in fact the favorite child. The father's response to the older son seems to be his way of saying he loved both of his children. Now there's a caution. We must be careful not to reduce God's wanting everyone to be children of God into thinking. God loves everyone no matter what we do because that's not what the Bible says. Jude verse 21 says, keep yourselves in the love of God because this suggests that it's also possible to remove yourself from God's love. God won't do it, but you can. Jesus said something similar in John 15:10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Don Carson, in his book, The Difficult Doctrine of the Love of God, draws an analogy to help us understand what keeping ourselves in God's love means. And I want to quote a passage. There is a sense in which my love for my children is immutable, regardless of what they do. There is another sense in which they know well enough that they must remain in my love. If my teenagers break curfew for no good reason, the least they will experience is a bawling out, and they may come under some restrictive sanctions. Therefore, no, there is no use reminding them that I am doing this because I love them. That is true, but the manifestation of my love for them, when I ground them and when I take them out for a meal or attend one of their concerts or take my son fishing or my daughter on excursion of some sort is rather different in the two senses. The latter will feel much more like remaining in my love than the falling under my wrath. So in the end, our call is not to discern whether or not we are among God's favorites, but consider what family responsibilities we have as his children. Yes, God loves us, but we can make God's love for us insufficient if we ignore the righteous living to which God urges us. In one sense, it is true that we cannot drift away from God's love. But it is also true that if we desire to be children of God, we need to give God the obedience that is expected of us. This was probably what John was getting at in our passage for today, when he said in verse three, and all who have the, this hope in God purify themselves just as he is pure. So rather than taking God's love for granted, let us keep ourselves in his love. Amen.